Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Tracy Jones. You'll be the same person five years from now that you are today, aside from two things, the people you meet and the books you read. Charlie Tremendous Jones not only lived this mantra, but he imparted it to his children, including the successor of his publishing and public speaking business, Tremendous Leadership, his daughter, Dr. Tracy Jones. Tracy is a student of life and has enjoyed sharing her insights through a popular blog, self-development books for young and old, podcasts, and keynote speaking. With leadership experience spanning Fortune 500, small business, and defense and government contracting, she carries the unique perspective of universal truths found regardless of industry within efficient leadership and followership. She believes true leadership is found through lifelong learning and by making a difference in your immediate circle, you will change the world. As a former Air Force officer, she has four decades of leadership experience. She has written eight books and is also the president of Tremendous Leadership, which has one goal, change the world one book at a time. She believes that philanthropy and community engagement are at the heart of leadership. The other part is that the profits of tremendous leadership support the tremendous trust, which has provided over 1.3 million in donations over the last eight years. Welcome, Dr. Tracy Jones. How are you? I'm tremendous, Lily. How are you? (laughs) I love this. Well, we're so tremendously happy to have you on. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I sure am. Okay, great. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. I'd have to say my path to leadership started when I was a baby. And my father was a motivational speaker. I say was because he's in heaven right now, um, but his name was Charlie Tremendous Jones. And growing up with a motivational speaker was like living between a cross between boot camp and a sitcom. Okay. (laughs) So it was always a lot of fun, but Lily, it was always very driven. And I can remember sitting around the table when I was in kindergarten and he's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'm like, I just want to get into first grade daddy. So, you know, back then as a kid, you're like, can't you just be normal? And he's like, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't because he loved life. He came from a really difficult upbringing, poverty, flunked out of school in the eighth grade. So he just had this innate resiliency. So he also had us reading books at a very early age. And I tell people, I think I picked up How to Win Friends and Influence People Before the Pokey Little Puppy. So we wrote book reports to earn our allowance. 
in addition to jobs. And he also took all the TVs when we were teenagers. And this is back in the 70s and locked them away because he's like, you don't need to watch that trash. You can get a job. You can do volunteer work or you can read or play outside. But this is what you need. So my path to leadership was shaped pretty early on. And he wrote a book back in 67. So I was born in 63 called Life is Tremendous. And it really taught the seven laws of leadership and resiliency and adaptive capacity and all that wonderful stuff. So that's how it all started. So how many children were there? There were six of us. And my father, he's so funny. He's on YouTube and stuff like that. But he says that the only reason that he only had six kids is because my mom didn't like children. (laughs) He was just a nut. He was really funny. I mean, he had been through the worst of life, but he knew that you could still deliver the best life had. So he had this beautiful street smart, but also this wonderful, humble spirit and a great sense of humor. Well, you are certainly a chip off that tremendous block there. Thanks. (laughs) I mean, as soon as you came up, as soon as I heard your voice, I started smiling. Oh, good. (laughs) So know that your energy is really, really awesome. Thank you. Um, Where are you located? Uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So South Central Pennsylvania. We were always born and raised and kind of my leadership journey was all over the world. I was an officer in the Air Force, so went to first Gulf War, Bosnia War, lived in Europe, lived in the Middle East, came back to the States in 2000 and moved to Austin, Texas, where I worked in the semiconductor industry and then moved to St. Louis, where I worked for defense contracting and the National Security Agency and then came back here. So as my dad always told me that you're born with an empty key ring on your side and every experience that you you can gain good, bad, or ugly gives you another key. And the key to a tremendous life is more keys because you're going to encounter more things as you go through life. And the more keys you have, the more resilient and the better your ability to handle things that come your way. And it won't knock you down. It sounds like you've had your share of tremendous experiences. I've seen now that word is going to be stuck in my head. (laughs) Gosh. All right. So what are you doing now? Well, I came back in 2008, my father passed on to glory. And I was at that time in DC doing defense contracting. And I thought, you know what? I had always been doing my own thing. And the thing about having a powerful role model as a parent, you love learning from them, but then my dad always told me, Tracy, you have to go out and earn your own stripes. And what he meant was you can't ride on my coattails. You have to go out and get your own stories and live your own life. And I was always so glad he did that. So I waited to come back until 2009 and picked up the company he started back in 65, which was called Life Management Services, also known as Executive Books. And then it became Tremendous Life Books and now Tremendous Leadership. So what my father built was a company that is a publishing house and he was a speaker and a wholesale distributor of personal development material. So I had the blessing of coming back in January of 2009 to pick up what he left off and try and keep the tremendous legacy going. And so far, we're still doing it. And Tracy, how can we connect with you? The best way to connect with me is via our website, tremendousleadership.com. But if you have some of our older books with executive books or tremendous life books, it all goes to tremendous leadership. And our Instagram, our YouTube, our books, reaching out to us. We have free podcasts. We have free webinars, tremendousleadership.com. Perfect. Now, at the time of this interview, we're experiencing hopefully the tail end of a global pandemic. How has that affected you, your organization, your family? Well, Interesting. I just got married. I don't know if you can see in the back here. I got married January 20th of this year. 
this year. Congratulations. Like, thank you. Like right when the pandemic had. Wow. So personally, it's almost it's like, like a honeymoon. <laughs> it is. It's a mandatory honeymoon. So I'm like, Thank God. Because Lily, I was single for like a long time and I'm okay being alone. I love being married, but I'm mm -hmm. flexible either way. But I am so thankful that I decided to get hitched and it has been a real blessing because even as much as I love my alone time, this has got to be terribly tough for people that can't get out to interact with other people. And even the introverts are getting a little worn thin. So for me, it has given me a wonderful time to settle and nest in the home that my husband had bought for us. So we've had a real blessing in doing that. For the business, of course, speaking is off the table now, traveling and speaking. But you know what, Lily? I had the clarity and I just got my PhD last December. So I thank God that that was done and it was in crisis leadership. So I'm like, you know what? There's wow. a reason all this is coming together. So Leah, my co-leader had already been pushing me to do more podcasting and stuff. And I'm like, we just don't have time. We don't have the bandwidth. Well, guess what? Crises have a way of clearing the plate and you really get clarity and focus on, okay, what do I really need to do going forward? And how can I reinvent this obstacle to be an opportunity? So that's really what we've taken the opportunity to do. Wow, it's so timely. It's like a vortex of it amazing things that are happening. Absolutely. And you know, Lily, also because I've been to war, I've been through the death of a founder, I've been sued, slandered, deposed, divorced. I've been through pretty much every crisis under the sun. You know, I was out, I traveled the world dealing with kind of scary situations. I go into maximum penitentiaries and do book discussions. So for me, yes, this is terrible, but I've been through a lot of things in the past that have been really tough. And what I found with going through this crisis, if you have a resilient personality, a glass half full, if you also have past experiences like the death of a sibling or a parent with mental illness or, you know, losing your job before, and you have a perspective where you can look at this and say, you know what, it's a good thing we found this out now because if it would have waited, it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. Those three things kind of build this, you know, it stinks, but I have no doubt this is going to pass. It always does. This is not the end. Mm -hmm. And we are going to come out of this stronger than where we went in. And I know that because I've been through a lot of other really right. nasty stuff in the past. And I remind people that you're way more resilient than you think. You just got to dial it in. And that's great advice, especially for those young leaders who haven't gone through that testing time. This is a testing for them. It is. And Lily, when I was a new leader, a second lieutenant in the Air Force, the first Gulf War kicked off. So I, as a brand new officer, got the opportunity to do what I was trained to do, which was, you know, go away to a base I didn't know for how long and be part of the military. I was talking with a young emerging leader and she said, oh my gosh, I never thought in my lifetime I'd see a pandemic. And I said, well, no, wait a minute. Every year we've had a pandemic. A pandemic just means it's across different continents. There's SARS, there's Ebola. This will not be the last one. There are more viruses out there than there are stars in the galaxy. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, it's all perspective. Yes, this is the first one that probably personally touched you because it has touched every person living on this planet. But remember, let's keep the big perspective. We're going to get through this. Fantastic. Now, Tracy, what resources, quotes, or advice has helped well, you most during this crisis? Well, Lily, I appreciate that question most of all. My father had a quote, and I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. He said, things don't go wrong and break your heart so you can become bitter and give up. They happen to break you down and build you up so that you can be all that you were intended to be. 
I know a couple people that have that as a tattoo. I mean, I just always think about that. You know, the old, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. It's true. And a crisis has a way of just streamlining and clarifying everything. And you also see the people, uh, the profits and the things that may not always be there. So if you look at this as a chance to really reorient and reinvent yourself, then you can be built up from this. That's great advice. Okay. So Tracy, many use the term lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning right now? Well, I just finished my PhD in December, so I took a little bit of a cognitive break. Um, but what I'm learning right now is I'm finishing up my next book, which is coming out in June on igniting the greatness within. So I still at any given time, Lily, I have at least two books that I'm reading and maybe not reading every word, but at least scanning. So one of the greatest things I learned in getting my PhD is if you can't provide me a cited source, don't tell it to me. And I tell people, if you can't cite it, don't write it. So what I've really been doing with this pandemic is, I hate fear mongering. It's awful, it'll kill you, stress will kill you, just the same as the corona, okay? So I really try to unpack everything and say, what are we really looking at? The question behind the question. So I have spent quite a bit of my time the last two months really researching all the medical and the peer-reviewed journals and the studies coming out, not the political editorializations or somebody trying to spin something, but to really get in and listen into some of the Zoom calls with some of the virologist and scientist and find out what's really going on because knowledge is power. And we can sit there and become much more educated about anything out there rather than just waiting to be told what we're supposed to believe. So I spent a lot of time doing that and it's been really, really fascinating to sit in and listen to this. And the book I'm reading right now is called The Humble Approach and it's by John Templeton. And it says that the greatest key to leadership is humility. And if you think you know it all and you won't listen to anybody else, you're never going to get there. So just love it. And the other thing is, is it's like, look, God created the cosmos and he wants us to be co-creators in all of this. So stop complaining about the problem and let's let the divine co-creative spirit take hold of us so we can figure out a way to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Because if we are made in his image, the God seed, which I personally believe, we get to figure out a way to do this. The answers are there. So that book has just like blown my head. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I love that you said that because I've also, in my experience, have come across the connection between humility and wisdom. Oh my gosh. Like you, you can't get you to wisdom without humility. And sometimes I get really upset about that. But if I want wisdom which I really do want, there's no shortcut to that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. You're so welcome. And I'll send you a little link to that book too. This gentleman was one of the greatest financial minds of all time. And he's a scientist. So he's like, hey, scripture and theology are inextricably linked. Don't be so proud that you think you have all the answers. Anybody that thinks that, whether you're a scientist or whether you're a pastor, you're so far gone, you can't get there. So it's just fascinating. Right. Humility works. Absolutely. Across the board. Hey leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. If you want to find, claim, develop, and expand your voice in order to land that job, those clients, or that partner, then Master Your Swag podcast is for you. 
You don't have to have expert credentials to be featured, and you can select from several plans that can perfectly match your needs. Go to MasterYourSwag.com and claim your spot as a guest, and be ready to get noticed. That's MasterYourSwag.com. When you think of leadership today, Tracy, what most concerns you, and what are you most hopeful about? Well, what most concerns me, and it happened during my PhD, I just got my PhD in leadership because I thought, well, I love leadership, so why not get the terminal degree? And I don't know if you know this, Lily, but I found out at the end, PhD actually stands for piled high and deep. Did you know that? (laughs) No, I learn something new every day. Um, So anyhow, I've been leading people in organizations for 30 plus years. And I'm not the greatest leader, but I really have tried hard. I'm open to learning. I've made mistakes. I've done good things. But halfway through my courses in leadership, I got so tired of hearing about if the leader did this, if the leader did that. And I'm like, back off the leader. Okay. Lily, you and I both know you have had people in your life. I have had people in my life in every industry that I could give them a million dollars a day and they still wouldn't be happy. That even if I did everything for them, they'd still take me to court, okay? That no matter what I did, they still wouldn't want to show up and give me an honest day's work for an honest day wages, okay? So that is the condition of man. We're really selfishly oriented. That's how we are. And only by looking at a higher calling or having something outside yourself, do you ever take your eyes off yourself, okay? And I know your community does, and I applaud them for actually evolving to that state. But one of the things that really upset me was, I can't take this anymore. I know I'm not perfect, but gosh darn it. I can't dance with you on the dance floor if you're just dragging your feet. And so what I studied in my doctoral dissertation, the most exciting thing about leadership came out of the real pain point for me. The importance, the power of followership and how if you want a better leader, be a better follower. If you want a better parent, be a better child. If you want a better spouse, be a better spouse. And it's this kind of dual flip side of the coin. Behind great leaders are great followers. Behind great followers are great leaders. And so I really got the opportunity to study how I could identify the kind of follower that brought out the best in me as a leader because some made me sore to the heavens and others, it was like being in hell, okay? It was awful. You know, teamwork makes a dream work or it can make a living nightmare. And so it really helped me. And then it helped me understood from a follower, how many times did I hitch myself to a leader that I knew there was not a congruence there? And it was like, we were gonna get divorced before we were even married because I didn't agree with them. I didn't agree with their style, their ethics or whatever, but I took the job because the pay was better or the title was better. But in the end, there's always going to be that rub because we weren't on the same sheet of music. So the most exciting thing for me is all the research now, and they call it reversing the lens. The leadership scholarship is now focusing on the power of followership. And followers, you make up 80% of what happens in the organization. A lot of people sit there and go, well, my leader, blah, blah. Forget the leader. What are you bringing to the organization? Because self-discipline is about the self and personal agency is about you as a person and personal development is about you as a person. Now, should leaders try and motivate and develop people? Heck yeah. But that is mainly on the individual. And my father would always tell me that, Tracy, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm -hmm. But as leaders, we can put salt in their oats and make them thirsty. So we as leaders should try and let people know. But Lily, the horse still has to put down and drink from the water bowl of life. And that's been most exciting for me to start unpacking 
all the ramifications of this and tell people you are the source for your inner happiness. I don't mm -hmm. care if it's not your dream job, you define you. And then when you get that dialed in, boy, then you can go out and find the leader that really brings out the best in you. Okay. So let me kind of dial this back and also kind of think through this. You're most concerned about people who are followers and are complaining about their leaders? Yes. And there are five different types of followers. There's passive, which are the sheep. They're unengaged and they don't think. There's the yes people. They're engaged, but they don't think. There's the politicians or the survivors that play the political game. They'll kiss your butt, but then at the water cooler, they'll trash you. Then there are the alienated followers that are critical thinkers, but you've lost them. They either got thrown under the bus, they were once in love with the organization, you lost them. And then there are the exemplary followers that are all in with their engagement and they're critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of followers you really need to develop and bring into your organization. Like you met Leah. She's my co-leader. She may be, quote, my follower. She's not my follower. She has moved up to full-on co-leader with me because she is so all in and such a great critical thinker. And you and I both know that in order to lead well, we also have to learn how to follow well. Absolutely. And people will sit there and say, well, I want to be a leader. And I'm like, well, let me see how you are as a follower. Oh, that's beneath me. And I'm like, then you're never going to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Show me the kind of follower you are today. And I talked to a lot of young emerging leaders and they're like, how can I be a great leader? And I'm like, be a great follower, grasshopper. Okay. <laughs> and we learned that in the military. Our first four years of being lieutenants, second lieutenant, first lieutenant, we were told you were to be seen and not heard, meaning you were an officer but you had none of the seasoning and clout and credibility to actually make command decisions. Mm -hmm. So I learned early on, listen to those more experienced than you. It didn't matter if you outrank them, but we have to learn and be humble enough to be teachable. And then you can step up into the leadership role. Great. Now we get to interact with other leaders and here's how former guests have asked questions of you. So here's a question sent in by Keith Spiral, and he wants to know, how do you feel the experience of 2020 will affect leadership and management five or 10 years down the road? That is a great question. And my book coming out that was written when everything was coming up roses for me, I had to put a paragraph in the beginning that says, hey, all this hit, right as this book, and it's talking about greatness and bring out the greatness. Is it still valid? And to Keith's question, it's still valid. The truth is immutable. Truth is timeless. Truth is universal. I don't care how many pandemics, how many things that happen in this lifetime. There are certain things about truth, and that is the greatness in every individual and the resiliency of the human spirit. That will always be as long as we roam this earth, okay? So that is the thing. The question is, though, will people become more resilient and more adaptive as a result of this or become more fatalistic, scared and extrinsic, like somebody has to fix my life for me. I mean, Lily, you look at the people throughout time that have been through really horrible, horrible things. Look at the Israelites and slavery and the real pandemics in World War II, today's victory in Europe. Day. I mean, people that have been through just horrible, horrible things. So five, 10 years from now, I think 
that you are going to have a more resilient class of workers because a lot of people these days, nothing bad has really happened to them. Yeah, we had 9-11. That was horrific. Okay. But it was sad. It didn't directly affect me. And then we had the crash of 2008 economically. That stunk and that hurt. But you know what? We were still able to work. But I do think that when people have seen this and felt this and understand what it's like to live like this, I think they're going to remember that. And that is going to really shape them going forward to say, you know what? I got to be thankful for the small things that I get to do, like going to work. And when I get to work, I got to rejoice and celebrate in this. I can't complain if there's too much traffic on the road. I'm never going to complain at a restaurant that there's too many. You know what I'm saying? I think we're going to have a renewed sense of this. Now, Lily, I'm going to say this. There is going to be a swath of the population that is going to go 180 degrees the other way. But guess what? They probably were very negative before the pandemic. The people that didn't want to be at work before, guess what? They're not going to want to be at work now. You're always going to have a certain element of that in the population. That's a fact. That's just the way it is. But we want to focus now on the people that have kind of been on the fence about, well, maybe there's something better out there. These are the ones that I do believe will have looked at this pandemic and said, you know what? I'm pretty blessed and I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I'm really going to dig in. So my hope is that leaders will recognize these people and continue to build up their organization with them. Mm -hmm. And you know, people are where they are and you're at a different place. And this book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, certainly if a man has any credibility about what it is like to go through something difficult, he sure does. And so I've uh, been in a study of this book throughout this whole time, oh. and I highly recommend it. And you've read it, obviously. Lily, that is one of, probably after the Bible, that's my second book that I go to, yeah, honestly. Man. And when people want to complain, I'm like, you read this book? And then don't talk to me until you read this book, because if he can find meaning in the concentration camps where pure evil and destruction, don't ask life, what's in it for me? Life has already told you, this is your time on earth, bring it. And so I'm so glad you brought that up. But that's that resiliency of the human spirit. And you know what? You said it. We are all out we're all at. I value that. I respect that. But the sooner you move out of the lower unevolved selfishness, we only got a certain amount of time on this right, earth. Right. The more you can serve others and live in a better, a more tremendous state. Right. And we get to experience the beauty of you. So that's important. All right. So Tracy, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? What are you curious about? Well, you know what? I always hear about, you know, do you have book smarts or do you have street smarts? And I got a lot of street smarts. I just got my PhD. So now I got book smarts, but I would like to hear the spiritual component of leadership because I found, especially in crisis leadership, I watched Darkest Hour, which came out a couple years ago with Churchill, when uh, Winston Churchill was being asked to negotiate with Hitler. And so what really fascinates me is when all else makes no sense, when it seems all is lost, there's something intrinsically in man's spirit. And again, it's kind of man's search for meaning. I would love to have leaders share about that when they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt because something else talked to them and told them and gave them the courage and the peace and the resources coming together to conquer something that they thought they couldn't get out of. That just fascinates me. I would say we've got book smarts and we've got street smarts. Tell me how spiritual smarts has impacted you as a leader or if you see that play out in the workforce because there's a lot of emerging research now about the role of spirituality and how workers engage in the workplace. All right. So Tracy, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? 
I'd love to stay connected with you. Thank you, Lily, for what you're doing. Thank you for the bright spirit you're bringing to so many people. And you know what? Whatever you're going through, my father always told me that you're going to be the same person five years from now that you are today, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So I would just encourage your listeners, get in those books. Don't just kill time, fill time. Get in great books and reach out, listen to tremendous people on podcasts, get on LinkedIn. We may not be able to physically interact, but that's okay. Our spirits can still minister to one another. And so I would just say to listeners, keep the faith. You know, We're right there with you and you're not going through anything that people throughout history have gone through. So be confident and take heart. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you, Lily. Right back at you. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.